This is I Read Star Wars Comic Books, Episode 3, in which we will talk about a plethora of stories that take place in or around the age of the Old Republic. I am Kara Shamborski, and I'm here with Brian Murray. Hello. And uh, we're going to start things off with one of my favorite terrible Star Wars characters, Darth Maul. Everyone's awful son. <laughs> He's just... Okay, so uh, so Darth Maul appears in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, like, for about 10 minutes, but it's during a really cool fight scene, and he has a really distinct look, and... Uh, I would maybe argue that he's the Boba Fett of the prequel trilogy because, yeah, because I mean, he's got a cool look, and that's why everyone's like, "Oh, that dude!" But he he looks super cool. Dies like a punk falling down a hole. (laughs) All right this this analogy was a good one. Um, So that said, uh, Darth Maul became a really interesting character in terms of the universe that happens around the movies so Mm -hmm. darth darth maul canonly comes back in star wars the clone wars which disney has accepted as canon and his appearances continue through star wars rebels and then there's that uh cameo at the end of solo where we see him as the head of a crime syndicate I think this is the moment where we say this is full spoilers for all Star Wars things. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much anything Star Wars might get spoiled from here on out. So, uh, so, so Darth Maul has so much story potential because basically all we know about him from the movie is that he's angry and he wants to kill some Jedi. And you would think that that's a really one note storyline to go with, but uh, through through the television series appearances, you see a, a little bit more nuances as perspective shifts. But this Darth Maul comic book series um, does take place prior to his appearance in Phantom Menace. So we are mm-hmm. still seeing him as angry Darth Maul. Yeah, sort of a, a horned, red-faced rage monster. <laughs> and uh, it's, you know... You'd think I'd be bored at him just being aggro about wanting to kill Jedi, but because he's so relentless, it's actually still compelling storytelling because you, even though you know where he's going to end up, the journey's kind of great because mm-hmm. there are there are some subtle moments where you start to see him being like, ugh, Darth Sidious is holding me back. He won't let me kill. I've got to get out this rage somehow. Yeah, yeah, you really get a feel for like just how tightly Sidious kind of has to hold on to him to keep him under control. Yeah, Maul is an absolute loose cannon, and that's definitely shown in in this book. So, uh, again, full spoilers, but the general plot of this book is that Darth Maul gets a tip that there is a Jedi Padawan up for auction, and he's like, well, I'm going to go kill me a Padawan and get rid of some of this rage. And he hires a bunch of bounty hunters to come and help him with this mission, including Cad Bane. 
Oh, best boy. <laughs> and Cat, uh, for those of you who have not seen uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, Cad Bane is basically the people who do Star Wars saying, you know what I really want? A cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> get, get some rocket boots on that cowboy. Get him a big hat. <laughs> like, Cad Bane is literally like alien cowboy. Like, just someone said, let's take basically like half of jonah hex and put him in a deep space miner suit and like here we'll just go so i am here for it give me more right so it's like cad bane or a saying uh and a couple other characters who i'm not sure if we've met before but or no. definitely in clone wars and that like moment for like a second in Star Wars Phantom Menace where y- you see her kind of watching the pod race happening. Yeah, we've got uh, Vardalo, the mosquito person, who is just creepy as all get out. <laughs> it's like just constantly dragging bodies aboard the ship and they're like, we're not bringing prisoners. And she's like, this is a snack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, And then okay, we have then. Uh, Tech Tech, the Chadger fan, uh, droid torturer. <laughs> just... Just the worst. And uh, as you can imagine, that comes back to bite them in the ass when the droid Uh they were torturing suddenly has them at the mercy. And uh, so prior to the Disney acquisition, I did actually go out of my way to read one of the Star Wars Darth Maul uh, novels, which also took place before episode one. Was it Darth Maul Shadowhunter? Oh, I can't remember. Did it involve one like did it involve a Jedi who was sort of ended up crushing on the non-Jedi she was with? Uh it involved the one that I read involved him like in the sh- the underbelly of Coruscant. And it was almost like a like a noir detective type thing. It's possible. Anyway, but my my point is like going in and reading these books because at this point we were like, well, at Fan- he dies in Phantom Menace, so all of his stories have to be before Phantom Menace. So it's like we already kind of knew where things were going, and so reading this prequel comic, it's again an instance of we already know where he ends up, but it's sort of interesting to see how he gets there because prior to this comic, they did not have this concept of like spoiler alert, he does kill the Padawan. But um, he had this really weird, intense, like, warrior code moment where, like, as he's killing her, because, like, there was, she was saying, like, trying to get out of it by being like, well, I'm just a Padawan, and don't you want to face a real Jedi? But, like, as they're fighting, he's like, um, oh, no, I kind of respect her, and... Maybe if Sith weren't just like two at a time, we could make something happen here. But no, 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 no. This is crazy. I'm just going to kill her. But like as he's killing her, he's like, you are a Jedi. And I was like, oh, this is so fucked up, but I'm into it. Like I see where he's going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to talk to somebody about this later. But (laughs) I was like, um, like, excuse me, like let me text a therapist here like um if i understand darth maul's twisted warrior code is that a problem or what (laughs) so um and uh this this like him killing a padawan thing ends up just being uh another moment for darth sidious to be like of course 
I knew all along. How did mm-hmm. it feel? And I was like, God damn it. I would be mad at him if I was Darth Maul too. Yeah. Like yeah, if- nobody likes to have their boss like lurking over their shoulder the whole time. Well, I mean, if you were working for someone who was constantly just like, of course you did that. That was my plan all along. Like, yeah. I'd be annoyed too. <laughs> it's like, all right, man. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is I understand Darth Maul and I have questions about that. <laughs> yeah. Going- I, I did like how the whole time he was sort of going through it like, oh, man, if, if dad finds out, I'm going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> like, like if dad finds out, I took his car. <laughs> Ooh, uh, like, but with more murder. <laughs> yeah, significantly more murder, I, I hope. <laughs> Just so much murder. Just terrible. So, um, yeah, Darth Maul is complete trash, but as a character, he's really entertaining to read. Very compelling. <laughs> oh, my God. Um Flipping over to the light side of the force for a moment. Let's talk about Mace Windu, Jedi of the Republic. Ooh, I had a lot of fun with this book too. Give us a give us a brief overview of Mace Windu. So this is Mace Windu has been dispatched with a team of Jedi for a stealth mission on a jungle planet where the separatists have gone and the Jedi don't know why. So they are there to figure out what's going on, and put a stop to things if they can. Um, But along the way, we start to encounter some philosophical differences between Mace and one of the other Jedi, and so it sort of becomes this contemplation on the Jedi. And there's a lot to to unpack there. (laughs) There's so much to unpack here. Um, Yeah, this... Because, it, cause, uh, again, if you remember from the films, it's a pretty abrupt shift from the Jedi or Peacekeepers to Yoda went to pick up the clone troopers, and now we've got an army. Yeah, we're like, generals was, now. Yeah, like that was a very abrupt shift. So this comic is a, a moment for uh, exploration of how maybe not all the Jedi are cool with that thought. Yeah, and how like it wasn't just abrupt for us as audience members; it was abrupt for the Jedi, because some of them are definitely just like, "Um, this is garbage. What the hell?" Yeah, and and Mace is definitely like you can tell at the beginning that like he's not thrilled with the situation that they're in, but since they're in this situation, he's gonna do his best to to make sure that their side comes out on top. Yeah, I, I I think that Mace Windu has always been one of the more intense Jedi. And yeah. this book shows that very nicely. Yeah, I, I, I love that the Jedi are always, I mean, not always, but in, in a lot of media, we, we see the Jedi as being sort of stiff and hidebound. And this book does a really good job of showing us that they're not actually like that. Like, that's the the facade they put on for the senate to keep the galaxy happy but then we have you know like the the one guy whose name escapes me constantly making jokes about him being blind like or uh kit fisto like grinning as he cuts down all these droids i love kit fisto he's such a swashbuckler he is such a swashbuckler you're exactly right we had late, late and then there's uh, uh the the pink lady risa or Rissa, 
who's just like a Mace Windu fangirl. <laughs> She's just like, oh man, I'm so it's 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 very like Spider Man Iron Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe dynamic. Yeah. Where she's just like, sure, Mister Stark. <laughs> There's one little throwaway line where, like, she tosses him her lightsaber for a second. And when she gets it back, she addresses her lightsaber by name. I'm just like, Mm. who is this adorable little nerd? I want more of this character. Right? Like, you'd figure that that's a character that would end up in one of the TV shows, at least. Yeah. And she did survive. So, you know, she's... Who knows? Uh, I have to say, there were... So, this book kind of messed with me because it it made me have to think about why some things happen with the Jedi um, mm-hmm. in terms of like, there's so many lightsaber battles in this and it felt excessive. Like the Jedi, like the, the lightsaber is, is sure it's their primary weapon, but they're not supposed to turn to their weapon as their first resort. And I felt like this book was very like, I disagree with you. Therefore, we will have a lightsaber battle now. Yeah, yeah. The 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 because the 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 blind Jedi who I'm sorry his name completely escaped me. Uh, Dib Dibs something like that. I remember it reminded it me of Continue. Invader Zim. So, <laughs> uh, but I remember like he just like Mace he he calls Frosted Mace Windu like a heretic. Yeah, Dibs calls mason into a heretic and just pulls a blade on him (laughs) like like, oh this escalated quickly yeah um that said i think there were some good uses of lightsabers for example kit fisto is in a a cave with dibs and dibs is blind so he's like whatever but kit fisto (laughs) is he he has a thing like (laughs) welcome to my world or something like that (laughs) so kit fisto ignites his lightsaber so he can see and i'm like look at that Your glow stick is handy for something. (laughs) But then it also made me think, like, whoa, you guys just made yourself a complete target. Like, anything in that cave, like, this cave is pitch black, and all of a sudden you've ignited two humming glow sticks. Like, everyone knows where you are now. And then they are attacked by a giant worm. (laughs) Uh, I did also appreciate the world building in this book. Uh, Like, they're... The separatists are on this planet to harvest the plants because there's only one hour of sunlight a month. So the plants have to store enormous amounts of energy. So the separatists have come to take the plants so they can use that energy. And I was like, see, that's cool. Yeah, it's a very Star Wars planet in that it makes very little scientific sense at all. But it is very rad. So continue. (laughs) When I was reading that, I was like, sure, I accept this premise. Continue. Uh, there. So the the antagonists in this book are droids, and they're being led by like a mercenary droid. And this whole thing just kind of made me question the sentience of droids. Very if, much so. Yeah. Like this. Like the the battle droids are like quippy and very much having their own like they're they're they end up following orders, but they're very vocal about their doubts. Yeah, and they have internal lives. Totally. And this like mercenary droid who's kind of leading them definitely like has a personality, has goals, but also makes references to his like overriding programming. So like we keep being told in the movies that the battle droids are just like, 
like whatever we just chop them down but through books like this and shows like clone wars we see that they have personalities and then that makes me question like okay are these personalities programmed do they actually have some kind of soul are these living beings but they're just made of metal so we're meant to not think of them as beings yeah why why (laughs) do droids feel pain why are why do they feel fear for their lives like what kind of a sadist would program that Right? Like, I have so many questions, and I'm very uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, And I do want to talk briefly about the art style on this, because much like our earlier discussion about Obi-Wan and Anakin, I feel like this book did a good job of being like, here are these characters that you know, but we're not going to trace Samuel L. Jackson's face for all of Mace Windu's stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Just like stylized enough where it fit the art style for this particular artist, but you still like knew who everyone was, and there was kind of like a a blockiness to some of the faces that I thought worked for this more alien planet than some of the terrain we've seen in the Star Wars movies. Yeah, it reminded me just a tiny bit of that the original Clone Wars cartoon series, like the the Cartoon Network early two thousands Clone oh, Wars yeah, yeah, cartoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It 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 very much reminded me of that sort of square and circle style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, I w- I would say my my last note about this book is that it kind of made me did be like um yeah the jedi kind of have lost their way and i don't i don't want to go so far as to say that um sidious and anakin are right but you know you can question something and not like turn into a murderous monster Um, yeah i mean that's what ahsoka did spoilers yeah (laughs) mace windu has a moment where he's the 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 gist of what he's saying is this refusal to accept gray areas and it's like that is exactly why you guys have all the problems you have if you would just be a little more accepting of of ambiguity maybe i don't know you wouldn't have so many jedi falling to the dark side only a sith deals in absolutes remember oh <laughs> Speaking of the Sith, let's uh, let's pivot back to the dark side a little bit. Let's talk about Age of Republic villains. All right. So these there's two Age of Republic collections, Age of Republic villains and Age of Republic heroes. We'll talk about both of them briefly. And they are collections of these like one-shot stories of the characters that we know from um, since it's Age of Republic, so it's the Old Republic, so that's the prequel movies. And so it's kind of a closer look at all these characters that we know and giving them uh, little extra stories. So um, I am glad that I read the Darth Maul book prior to reading this collection because there is a Darth Maul story that references him killing that Padawan, and that would have just been a surprise to me if i had not read darth maul first but then i was that gave me like a continuity so i was like aha okay so this takes place after the darth maul series but prior to episode one and now i can continue um so we see a little bit more of sidious kind of continuing uh i i don't want to call it training we'll call it brainwashing where he brings him to this uh sith temple and tells him to like inhale the dust 
that's like the ashes of his fallen Sith ancestors or whatever. It's gross. It's, it's real gross and creepy. Um, so Maul ends up having this like hallucination that he's really a Jedi and is like helping his like Dathomirian brethren. And he rejects this premise so utterly that he straight up murders everybody within his hallucination. And it's, uh, it's kind of intense, like, whoa. And, uh, it, it did made me think about how, um, you know, they, in the, in the movies, they, they do refer to, uh, the Jedi as like following a religion of the mm-hmm. force or like how, like, uh, I think it's in a new hope where they're, where they're talking to Vader, about his like like out your faith in this ancient religion or something like that yeah so like if we accept the premise that uh the jedi and the sith are both kind of like religious orders in their own way then um it like this this mall story made me feel that like sidious is using this sith doctrine to kind of achieve his own ends of secular power like, I feel like he's using the Sith stuff to get to his goal of ruling the galaxy. Whereas Darth Maul was brought into this doctrine and he's viewing the kind of secular power they're gaining as a way he can kind of achieve his emotional resolution of fucking mm-hmm. shit up for the Jedi. Yeah. And I just like like this this one one shot issue made me make these connections that I don't think were kind of explored prior to this story but uh yeah there's um there's a Django Fett one shot in here where Django goes on a mission and he brings Boba Fett with him Boba Fett and Boba Fett (laughs) and Boba's a young kid and but like you kind of see them talking on their ship and Boba's basically like, why are we going on this mission with these like bounty hunters that I've never heard of when we can go with name drop all these bounty hunters that we've seen in the movies. And Django's like, well, this is, this is part of your education because the whole point here is that we don't know these guys. So it'll be like a wild card situation and we can practice like being aware of our, our situation. And I'm like, Sir, your son is like eight years old right now. <laughs> like, is this the best path? He's too but, young uh, for improv class. <laughs> um, so they're going to basically like uh retrieve this Twilek girl who's like run away from her family or something. And why is it always a Twilek girl, first of all? <laughs> yeah, there's a thing there. That's gotta be there's something. Like I yeah, don't know what it is, but there's I something. Know. I just I mm, They've found the girl, and then the other bounty hunters that they're with decide, ooh, do we really want to share this payday? Let's go with no. And so some of them, like, turn their knives on Boba Fett, and they're like, Django, give up. Give up the girl, and your son will live. And Django's just kind of like, no. And they're really confused until Boba just shoots them because he was just like, you should always learn to search your prisoners. And I was like, damn. Okay. Okay, small murder boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. 
Um, there there is a moment in this one shot where uh, when you kind of see Jango Fett being approached to like sell his genetic material to turn into the clone army and he's like well i mean there's so many people with my skills that you could be choosing from and they're like well well we really want your stuff and he's like uh it's because i'm human right and i was like "Ooh, are we talking about subtle racism in the star wars universe because uh which is something that i think since disney's acquired the property they've been exploring a little more explicitly um I think in the original trilogy for the films, all the stormtroopers were just humans because they were all in the same armor. But since Disney acquired it, they're doing a lot more like, yeah, the Empire only wants humans. And kind of like leaning a little bit more into the whole like, yep, these are definitely space Nazis. That That was a little more explicit in the expanded universe back in the day, but not not to the degree that it is now, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, this this is kind of throwing me for a loop though, because I thought that Boba Fett was a clone of Django Fett. Yes. But yeah, he is, but he's not like with the accelerated growth. Stuff. Right. So I guess like was it like a flashback to when he was being recruited for the clone army then? When when Django was being approached to be like, hey, can we use your genetic material? Yeah. And Django's like, huh, I guess you need a human. And that was that was before Boba Fett was cloned, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so he goes like, I this also have... timeline mixed up, I guess. Yeah. Had like a couple flashbacks. But uh, yeah, that, that story also gave me questions about robots um, and their sentience and what the deal is with that. Um, there's a, there's a Dooku story in here and there's a, there's a Jedi character in it. Who's, um, a tiger person. Like it's a bipedal tiger. And I don't know why, but this was really distracting for me because I just kept, because I just kept wondering why they wouldn't just straight up make it a tiger then. Like not all Jedi have to be like bipedal humanoid creatures. Like why not just let it be a tiger that has force powers and is like running around on all fours roaring. Like I am distracted by the fact that this man has a tiger's head and tiger paws. Like, you know, like, I, I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but I just let, like, let, the, let the furries have this one. <laughs> like I am, I'm totally willing to accept Admiral Akbar as like a man with a squid head, but like tiger head is way too far for me. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. I'm glad that we can establish the bounds. <laughs> but fish um, person no problem tiger person you've gone too far sir <laughs> um yeah i mean this was like again me thinking about how sidious seems to be using sith stuff for his own ends i feel like count dooku's also kind of in this vein where he's like yeah i was a jedi and now i'm looking after my family interests and now maybe i'm also a sith and he's just kind of like what is his deal, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a there's a Grievous story in here, and my big takeaway from that one is Grievous used to be 100% Squish. Yeah. Like, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, um, he used to just be a guy. <laughs> but now he's just, like, 
metallic and his cough always bothered me and in reading like the extra essays that they had in this collection they say that that's literally because george lucas was the first person to record his voice and he had bronchitis that week and i'm like really that was your plan (laughs) (laughs) that's how this happens (laughs) Oh, man. Um, And then this collection closes out with a story about Asajj Ventress, which if you watched Clone Wars, you know that she's everything. And uh, this this little story was just a cute moment where you kind of see her kind of lose her shit at a regular like generic bar brawl and she even like thinks something to that effect she's just like oh look another like conflict between the locals it's not my problem but then they start messing with this little girl and her sisters and Asajj Ventress kind of like clicks into like sisters above everything else mode and just murders everyone who's trying to mess with these girls and you're like okay yeah all right respect cool got it okay have you read uh have you read Dark Disciple yet um, that is what I will be reading now. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but it's it's literally on my pile of books from the library. Awesome. Yeah. yeah she's she's a main player in that. It's it's very fun to to get more of her. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, to to close out this episode, let's uh discuss the Age of Republic Heroes, which is a collection of one-shots about the various heroes in here and yeah. uh the it, quote unquote it, good guys yeah it uh it opens with our favorite your favorite crunchy jedi and mine yeah. qui-gon jinn <laughs> <laughs> where he's literally rescuing the tree people like. <laughs> um not to be a 12 year old boy but i did laugh out loud when i saw that the person that he's trying to save is called mistress of wood <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> Who approved this? <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, it's see. it's there's a there's a lot to a lot goes on, I feel like, in that story, um, because he, you know, he he takes her back. He takes the mistress of wood back to Coruscant um, <laughs> and then he promptly like is like, hmm, yes, I must I must meditate. And gets in his spaceship and then blindly charts a course through hyperspace to go to a magic planet where he finds a dark side tree. <laughs> He's literally like, the force will guide me. And if I die, that's the force's will. And I'm like, you hippie, stop it. <laughs> yeah. That's like, yeah, like may- maybe the force helps those who help themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Qui-Gon, should I be worried for Obi-Wan now? Like, no wonder he's such a stickler for rules if this is how you are. Yeah, exactly. So he winds up in the in the dark side tree, which as a sidebar, I love how there are dark side trees all over the galaxy. Sure. Of course. Plants can be evil too. Yeah. And so he, you know, has a meditation hallucination and comes to some conclusion about balance in the process. I I was unclear on, yeah, on why but- exactly. Okay, but let's talk about the sequence where he's fighting the tree hallucination because that's a really great comic book sequence. Yes, it's very well done. It's very visually dynamic and the way the like the panel barriers are made of these like red thorny vines for one page and it's it's very cool. 
Yeah, that that whole sequence is one of the more interesting comic book layouts I think I've seen recently. And I think the the ambivalence of the takeaway from his hallucination is part of the point. Like he knows something bad is going on, but he doesn't know what it is. And I kind of want to reach through the panel and be like, it's you, Qui-Gon. It's you and your weird decisions. <laughs> Shaken by his smelly robes. Be like, can you not? <laughs> can you not? Um, there's uh, a, there's a, there's an Obi Wan story in here, mm-hmm. and it's basically uh the same idea as the Django and Boba Fett one in the villains collection. In that, Anakin, like little Anakin, gets captured, and Obi Wan's like, fine, and Anakin like uses rocks to knock out his captor, <laughs> and you're like. Oh, no wonder yeah. Obi-Wan was just like Anakin's fine in that whole like mini series that they had. He's seen him <laughs> do this before. Yeah, he, he knows that, that Anakin will be OK. It's like, oh, you're trying to you're trying to capture Anakin, a former slave. Yeah. See how that goes for you. Have fun yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, I love I loved the, uh, the the bird people space pirates in that, too. I thought they were they were cool designs. I really enjoyed how okay so so Anakin and Obi-Wan like go on this mission I think this is like the first time that Anakin's getting to come along on a mission yeah and uh they arrive at the planet of the bird people to protect these like archaeological findings and the bird people are like um well you wouldn't be here unless it was something good so I guess we'll take whatever you're guarding now which is actually pretty sound logic yeah for sure like and then but then as soon as Obi-Wan ignites his lightsaber, the leader of the bird people is like, fuck that. I want the shiny stick. Go get the shiny stick. Yeah. Which <laughs> is the same. Like. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> so we, we go from there to another to an Anakin story where uh, we start off in a space battle like so many Anakin stories do. It's his um, element. Yeah. And my favorite part about that was seeing like these weird like proto Y wings in action because I'm a giant spaceship geek when it comes I was to Star say, Wars. You nerd. <laughs> I, if you knew how much money I've spent on Star Wars X wing miniatures, <laughs> I, it's a lot. It's a lot of money. <laughs> but we got to see Wolfie Lauren again, and I immediately heard everything in his voice. Because his voice in Clone Wars is one of the most distinct things I can remember. Oh, man. These Anakin stories, like, he's, like, again with the whole, well, like, again with the whole slavery thing. Like, they uh, just, you can totally see how he was just looking at this system being like, the system is broken. Slavery is bullshit. I'm just going to take control of everything and then I can stop it. And you're like, oh... Yeah. I see why you'd think that. You're not wrong exactly, but we we have concerns, but we see how you got to your conclusion. Yeah. Uh they they brought back one of my favorite Obi-Wan looks for this comic too, which is that yeah. weird like clone trooper pauldron arm armor thing. Oh yeah. Where he's like wearing his Jedi robes like normal, but then he also has just like the the neck and shoulder pieces from clone trooper armor kind of which which why would you do that the whole point of the jedi outfit is that 
it allows for greater mobility. But if all of a sudden you've completely immobilized your shoulders, not even your full torso, it's just like, how are you supposed to, you can't even shrug. How are you supposed to even, like, what if you need to squeeze through an air vent or something? That happens all the time in Star Wars. Yeah, Jedi are frequently in air vents. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. Um, It's a thing. Yeah, um... So there's this there's this Padme story that I appreciated because it actually let the handmaidens talk. Mm-hmm. And um upon rewatching the the prequels, I noticed the other day that the other day, like last year when I was rewatching them, that Rose Byrne is one of the handmaidens. And like there are there's some famous handmaidens in there. Like in episode one, Kira Knightley is one mm-hmm. of the handmaidens. And like Rose Byrne is one of the handmaidens, so it's like, why wouldn't you give these women more dialogue? But like, you know, why would we give women more dialogue? <laughs> <laughs> but in the comics, like, <laughs> uh, do better Star Wars. <laughs> and, um, so we get to see kind of um, one of the this comic opens with one of the handmaidens catching Padme and Anakin making out and Anakin's like um we weren't doing anything and she just kind of like looks at him and you're like oh yeah dude girls know everything sorry to burst your bubble but they definitely know yeah of course she told her best girlfriends about her secret (laughs) boyfriend like Like, duh like they're sworn to her protection and secrecy of course she's gonna tell them like that she's seeing you because that's a huge security concern yeah um and uh there's a moment where the where the handmaidens are talking to one another and they're just like so uh so so that so she's definitely boning that jedi right yep yeah that should be fine right i guess and you're like "Ooh, no (laughs) one of them is just like i know it just seems ill-advised and i'm like yeah you think maybe a little (laughs) just a bit like we have like are you complicit in this problem now do you know anything about the jedi and how they would feel about this (laughs) but it also shows like how loyal to padme they are because instead of being like we should maybe tell someone they're like we should maybe never tell someone yeah (laughs) um but i have i have questions for padme because she like explicitly tells the handmaidens like i know we said we're going to this planet but we're actually going to this other planet and I'm not telling my secret Jedi boyfriend because then he'll definitely follow us. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, um, that's a that's a red flag if yeah. you're afraid of telling your lover where you're going because you're afraid he might follow you. Yeah, listeners, if you're lying about your whereabouts to your significant other, that's a bad sign. Like, that is not encouraging at all. <laughs> so, um basically i appreciated this comic because it showed more of like clone wars the series padme who's awesome as mm-hmm. opposed to movie padme who i just they just they just didn't give her a lot to work with it's like nobody and, knows what to do with natalie portman once they get her in a movie no it's it's such a shame because she's like she's like a fine actress just give her something to work with you know yeah I, and I basically feel like with the entire prequel trilogy, the direction was flat. Mm-hmm. Like, like we want monotone 
everything. And because that's what we got from basically everyone except um, let's go with Christopher Lee probably had the no, most I mean, nuanced yeah. delivery. But because yeah, he's a professional. Lee. Yeah. Like... Well, well, I'm sure because at, at that point in his career, I'm sure he was just like, oh, you gave me a direction. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we recognize the consulist made a decision. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, didn't care for at the at the very end of the Padme story her like straight up icing that sniper like, well blasters never... have stun settings <laughs> maybe that one didn't maybe she forgot maybe I, yeah. she just really felt strongly about protecting the squishy purple people yeah but boy she just shot that lady in the back yep just did that thing that's uh that's kind of grim did that thing i never said she was a perfect character ah it just seems a little seems a little out out of left field for her like we know i know she's willing to shoot people and able to but that just seemed like she had another choice there these comics give me so many questions brian yeah uh there's a mace windu story in here where he's uh, basically freeing some child soldiers from a warlord. And again, people are like, I want this shiny lightsaber stick thing. And he's like, you'll have to fight me. And I'm just like, maybe the Jedi shouldn't carry around these lightsabers so much. Like if having the lightsaber makes you a target for people wanting to get stuff from you, maybe don't rely on it so heavily. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. You know, <laughs> a thought Everybody wants to kill you and take your lightsaber. It's like, maybe don't have the lightsaber with you then? Because it's like, it's not like they need it. Like, Yoda can lift an X-Wing out of a swamp. He doesn't need a lightsaber. They just did that for, I don't know, the fans in the prequels or whatever. All of a sudden, he's flipping all over the place. And I'm like, you don't need that lightsaber, though, man. You could probably suck all the air out of this room if you wanted to. That was tough. That was tough to see. Yeah, that that was the thing that happened. Um, the uh, the last story in this collection is a Jar Jar story. Jar Jar's big day. <laughs> and um, there's this one panel where it's like really dramatic, and his ears are blowing in the wind, and he's holding a lit lightsaber, and you're like, "Oh shit!" And then he immediately explains how he's like almost killed himself three times with it, and. Yeah. Sh- and you're like, oh, oh, Jar Jar. Yeah, there he is. There's there our guy. We, there, there we go. But I do appreciate that he's like, so he has the lightsaber because he's going after one of the clone troopers who's like run off to do a mission on his own that's probably going to end in death. And Jar Jar's like, you're an idiot. Why would you do this? Yeah. And the clone trooper's like, you're the one who almost killed yourself with a lightsaber. What are you doing? And they're both just kind of like, meh. Maybe there's room um, for two idiots on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did. I did really like the art style for the Jar Jar comic, though. There's a lot of really saturated colors Mm -hmm. and bold, almost cartoonish lines that just work. I mean, Jar Jar, for all his many many problems was designed to be comedic effect so yeah. you may as well use him in a more cartoonish 
comic relief story. I was going to say, Jar Jar is also bold and cartoonish, so. <laughs> so this works. All right. Overall thoughts from our journey to the Old Republic, Brian? I really enjoyed the uh, the Age of Republic books. I thought it was really cool to get all these different stories, um, even if there was a lot of echoing, like you said, with the Obi-Wan and the Django comics. Um, but I, I thought it was really cool that they took this opportunity to branch out and get away from the the Skywalker story, you know, to to talk about a little bit about what Padme's been up to, what Django Fett have been up to. Uh, what about you? Uh, I definitely liked the the shorter one shots because for some of these characters, like I kind of feel like I do have all the information that I need about them, but it's nice to have a little extra. Whereas characters like Darth Maul, I appreciated that he got his own miniseries because I will read stories about that trash boy all day long. Mm-hmm. Just just terrible but if they made a jar jar ongoing i think Mm. that i would be Mm. passing on that one yeah that would be a bit of a stretch all right well uh listeners thank you all for for joining us and uh join us next time for i read star wars comic books episode four where we discuss adaptations of the films in comic book form Thanks for listening to the I Read Star Wars Comics podcast presented by I Read Comic Books, the podcast. This show was first aired on the IRCB Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. Special thanks to all you wonderful supporters out there. Send us feedback about this show at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. And check out our website, ircbpodcast.com for our Discord, zines, and all things IRCB. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at IRCB Podcast. This show is produced by Brian Murray and Kara Zamborski, edited by Xander Riggs, and executive produced by Mike Rabbit. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.